So continuing on in Pirkei Avos, chapter 1, Mishnah number 8. After having discussed in the last Mishnah to stay away from various forms of evil, now the Mishnah proceeds to talk about when judges are judging litigants, how the judges should both perceive the litigants and how they should behave. So Yehuda ben Tabai and Shimon ben Shatach received from the earlier rabbis. And Yehuda ben Tabai says, Al He means in the context of serving as a judge, do not act as lawyers while the litigants stand before you, consider them both as guilty. So first one, first phrase teaching, do not make yourself like lawyers, referring to the judge should not act as a lawyer. Statement number two is that when the litigants are standing in front of you, they should be considered like wicked in front of you, which is a very harsh stance. So we have to understand what that means. And when they are leaving from in front of you, they should be dismissed from you as they are innocent. As they accept upon themselves the justice. So there's a bunch of very interesting things uh, here. First of all, um, there's a question in the Talmud as to whether um, Yehuda ben Tabai was the leader, meaning the word Nasi, or the Av based in, meaning the head of the court. Some uh, accountings in the Talmud about how he came to occupy whichever position it was, is that the citizens of Jerusalem sought to appoint Yehuda ben Tabai over themselves, but he was very modest and he fled to Alexandria, Egypt, or some say Angola, I think, uh, rather than accept such a, a prestigious position. And uh, the Jerusalemites sent him the following message. From the great Jerusalem to the humble Alexandria, how long will my betrothed reside in your midst while I sit here brokenhearted? Yudah ben Tabai subsequently returned and accepted the post of the Nasi, or the head of the court. And this was actually a pretty dangerous position because the king at that time wasn't really a friend of scholars, etc. The king of the Jews at that time, whose name was King Yanai. So one of the reasons um, that this background is important is because what most people like to do when it comes to responsibility is run away. And uh, that doesn't leave the Jewish people in a better position. And so this Mishnah is specifically addressing judges and the heavy duty responsibility that they have to act fairly in judgment. And it's uh, not without irony that Yehuda ben Tabai himself had run away until he was kind of beseeched to come back. He then undertook the responsibility, but it was in fact a dangerous time. Shimon ben Shetach, who's the other of the two of the pair that's mentioned here, uh, also um, you know, was in himself um, living in, in this dangerous time. And uh, you know, he accomplished many great things, but the point is, it wasn't easy back then to take these leadership positions, even probably harder than it is today. And hard, today is hard enough. I had the interesting experience at Tashlif of a precocious young boy, uh, about 11, maybe he's 12 now, years old, 
So he turns to me at Tashlach, he says, so what's it like to be a Rosh Yeshiva? So I said, you know, that's a really good question. But the short answer is it's just a lot of responsibility, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to take a position of leadership and uh, many aspects of it are, are really, really not fun. So now let's go to the teachings of the Mishnah. Don't make yourself like lawyers. So when serving as a judge, the judge has to remain an impartial arbiter, right? Even if he is convinced that one of the parties is right, he can't in his own mind be arguing either side of the case, right? He has to be wide open to understanding the facts and not prejudging and not thinking, well, logic says blah, 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 right? Which is obviously, you know, the job of a lawyer is to take a side and to to really argue vociferously on that behalf, right? So the bottom line is that the judge cannot participate in any way that's subjective. And therefore it's saying, don't be like a lawyer. Now there is a varying opinion that the word oreich din, which means lawyer, instead of being spelled with an ayin, which means to arrange and therefore a lawyer is the one who's like helping to arrange the case is with an aleph which means like a, a long one or a great one and it's referring to that the fact that students should not act like a great legal scholar by offering his opinion in the presence of his teacher very often students uh, like to speak up you know when they're in the presence of their teacher and Therefore, it's saying, don't be like a, a, uh, uh, a big shot. Uh, and students did sit in front of the judges when they were judging. Obviously, this teaching applies not only to judges. In general, we shouldn't offer unsolicited legal advice, right? That could cause a loss. We don't really know the case, right? How, who are we to get involved, right? What we, we should really be saying is, you know, get to a lawyer, get to a beitin, to, to you know, properly understand your case and, and get, get to the law. Um, and then one other interpretation of don't act as a lawyer is that you could use your powers of debate and persuasion to justify the legal position that you feel is instinctively correct or the litigant that you feel is instinctively correct. And obviously you cannot do that. You have to remain impartial. So the second part of the mission says, that a key factor to remain impartial is not to look at the litigants as though they're innocent, right? Because once we look at somebody as though they're innocent, then what we're really saying is automatic automatically we're justifying for them maybe what they did. So it's an amazing thing that we have a tendency to look at people hopefully positively and then to not necessarily interpret their actions according to the letter of the law. The judge is required to do the opposite and say, he, he's guilty, he's guilty, they're both guilty, until proven otherwise, just by the facts of the case. Um, it's an interesting teaching. I'm trying to remember something that my father taught me about this, and I don't remember it now. Maybe next week I'll come back to it and then share it again. Something about his mother that's specifically related to this. So I don't remember it now, um, unfortunately. And then the last statement to the Mishnah is that when they are dismissed from in front of you, consider them both as innocent, provided that they have accepted the judgment. And I think that, you know, the short explanation 
of the end of this Mishnah is that even though we judges are admonished originally to see everyone as guilty, that's only in order to get to the facts of the case. Whatever we then decide is the law is the law, but we shouldn't think in our minds that they didn't have their rationalizations and justifications for the way that they acted and maybe ended up guilty because we need to view them in the most positive light possible. So obviously all of this is a really, really tricky way to act. Very, very difficult for a judge to behave properly. He has to first, you know, be completely objective. He has to consider everyone guilty. He has to decide the case. And then he has to think of everyone as a, as a good, you know, a good Jew, essentially. So it was very, very challenging to do this. Now, I don't know how you all feel, but, you know, we have Jaime on the call here, but to me, it's a much better system of justice to have um, this kind of a system than the kind of being uh, you know, a judge sitting, listening to lawyers, and then the ultimate verdict, you know, being given over to the jury of the peers. This becomes even more pronounced in the next part of the Mishnah, which is Shimon ben Shetach's side of this equation. So let's read that, which is Mishnah 9. Shimon oh, ben Shetach, yes. I don't disagree with the judge in court. I don't disagree with you here. <laughs> well, well protected, as I would expect from you. A person should interrogate the witnesses extensively. They have a zahir bidvarecha and be careful with your words. Because from amidst them, they will learn to lie. So the first thing is interrogate the witnesses extensively. Um, you know, the different commentaries talk about asking them questions that are dispassionate. Don't give them clues leading them to where your thinking is heading, because then that might help them develop their arguments, either defend their case or press the point. And that refers both to the witnesses, and some say also the litigants might learn to either argue or present specific facts um, in order to you know, help them win based on the hints that the judges might be giving through their questions. Others also say to ask extensively means to ask a rapid fire rate of questions, not giving people the time to formulate, you know, um, responses so that we can get to the truth so that we don't have constructs of falsehoods, uh, etc. Of course, as everyone who's ever done any um, type of deposition knows, uh, the main question to say is, can you please repeat your question? <laughs> right. It's the main thing to do to give oneself time to think. That's obviously a strategy for exactly what this is talking about. Again, it's wonderful in my mind to be interrogated by a judge who is bound to be impartial rather than to be interrogated by even an opposing uh, counsel. That's, that's the way it would seem to me. And then finally, the Mishnah, as we said earlier, concludes that it's only after the litigants accept the ruling of the court that we should view, view them again as innocent uh, because really that's a critical piece to judgment. You know, what we have today is, well, we lost this case, but we're just coming back to court next week or next month or, you know, in a few months and arguing the case again, um, which is obviously extremely detrimental to the legal system. I'm not saying that uh, there aren't cases that deserve to be overturned, but there should be much more emphasis on getting it correctly the first time, doing it in a way that uh, is much more credible the first time around. And obviously it's hard to do, and I'm not um, 
not appreciating the fact that at least we do have a legal system that has uh, some justice that it is seeking. Uh, it's just uh, unfortunate how difficult it is to, to deal with people and get to the truth. Any questions or comments? Yes. I found, first of all, it's interesting, I think, just purely from an academic standpoint, um, you know, not I may being the only attorney on on the call, maybe he has a certain view uh, more in depth. I was reading it as a parent, hmm. nice. a parent of two children. <laughs> and nice. I thought it was there's there's a lot to be said there. Assume both are guilty at the beginning because they probably both are guilty <laughs> and then treat them as if they're both innocent because you've got to continue to love them. And I think the uh, advice on there was a passage here. Um, it said not to give too much information. I'm trying to find it. Cautious with your words, lest they, the witnesses, learn from, from your words to lie. Not only the witnesses and litigants, what exactly does lying mean? It goes into here that they, they shouldn't learn the full rationale so that they could then kind of twist that the next time they're in front of in front of the court, you know, yeah. you need to give the kids at least a little understanding of why you're making the decision. But I think we've all had that instance where we give them the full rationale for why we're saying what they're doing. And then they find the hypocrisy that might be in, inherent in it or, or some sort of, well, what if we tried it this way to work around right. it? You know, that, yeah, that, that was how I, that was how I interpreted it for, for uh, at least my, my practical use. Yeah, it's a beautiful thought. Uh, parenting is definitely part of it. Um, in fact, um, I was just reading a passage uh, talking about wicked people admitting their wrongdoing and specifically that they are re remembering that they were chastised by the people that love them. And that refers to the judges that they didn't listen to. So that really should be um, a... Uh, you know, a, a mindset, I think, you know, even of judges to treat the Jewish people as their children. Let's go to Tamas and then to Jaime. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, first of all, Ethan, uh, amazing analogy with the parenting. Yeah, I, 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 that, that's, uh, that's a very nice idea. What I, what I was kind of uh, uh, curious about as, as uh, that the one part which says that uh, uh, the uh, both sides needs to be uh, considered as guilty uh, coming in front of a judge and uh, when you compare it with uh, with uh, contemporary legal systems where everybody is innocent until proven guilty, um, it's uh, it's kind of uh, uh, shows a very interesting. Uh, I'm not saying you know this one is right or wrong because I, I cannot judge that obviously, but it's uh, it's very interesting how how the Mishnah uh, argues that in order to be it, it it says that to remain objective and to establish authenticity of all statements uh, made to the court which is, I think, a, a remarkable uh, thought that uh, in order to be able to have, have a clean process, you have to consider that everybody uh, came guilty in front of the judge. Um, so I, I think it's, uh, I never thought of this way, and I think that's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's just powerful, no question about it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Tomas. Uh, Jaime. Um, you know, when, when, when I read these, um, I, I see you know two very two very different systems at play, right? I mean, a bed din, a, a rabbinical court, uh, Jewish law in general is you have an absolute truth, and you're seeking that truth. 
and that truth doesn't move and the law doesn't move. Um, and in secular courts, you have laws that change. You have, um, you, you do have a pursuit of justice and a pursuit of truth, but that, but that, but that changes too. So, so it's a very different, you know, system. It's a very different concept in, in, you know, they, they both seem to be pursuing the same goal, but the goalpost in one moves and then in the other one doesn't really. So the system itself works very differently. Yeah. Um, and, and part of the way that we see that here is not, it doesn't really so talk so much about objective truth, but it talks about being vigilant and trying to get to true facts. And it's very hard to do that in a system where, you know, people are preparing for months for trial, exploring everyone else's arguments and everything that can happen. The questions are not being uh, asked by a judge. They're specifically being asked in order to uh, incriminate people and paint the worst possible light. So how, how do you really get to the truth? It's so, so hard. This is at least asking for something different. Yeah, but, 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 then, but then, you know, that assumes that you have a judge that really cares. Because if you have a judge, that, so I had a conversation once with a judge um, that was presiding over criminal cases. And I, I, I told the judge, I, I don't know how you sleep because, you know, every day you're deciding cases where, you know, the fate of somebody's life the, and the life, you know, the, the future, you know, can even have, you know, capital punishment cases. Like it's, it's a, it's a very high stake. And, you know, the way he, he dealt with it was, well, you know, you're applying the rules, you know, the rules of procedure, the rules of discovery, you're applying the, you know, you're applying the law. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, and that's the way he's, but, but, but then, you know, a rabbinical court, you know, you do have that, but at the end is more, you know, what, what in this particular case, what has to be necessarily the outcome. And obviously the judge has some leeway in secular yeah. courts, but it's. Yeah, and there's a lot, a lot of, yeah, a lot to explore here. Uh, but, but again, for us, I think part of the real message is, even though it's so hard, we have the responsibility. Right. Okay. Shall we move on? I, I thought maybe we'll do the right now. Okay. Everybody give me one second. Sorry.